For the rest of us, we're into 2023. We've settled in a few weeks now, so hopefully you're into the rhythm of it all. And today what I want to do is head back to the Jesus backstory. Right? As I have said, that in the same way that each one of us has a backstory, right? In the same way that each one of us has a history of of experience, even the littlest one here among us, um, albeit a short history of experience, right? But in the same way that each one of us has a history of experience, in the same way that be it these, be it the everyday sorts of activities or be it the once in a lifetime sorts of, of moments, right? Even be it the, the generations of those who have, who have gone before, all of it giving shape and direction to who we are today. And in the same way, Jesus also has a backstory. We find it in what we call the, the Old Testament, what is itself a, a really a panorama of experience with all sorts of joys and sorrows, all kinds of hardships. All of it, all of it offering us the backstory then to the, to the life of, of Jesus. And so with that, we are again today... We are heading back to the Old Testament, more specifically to the Torah. And by Torah, I mean the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And so we head back to the Torah, the backstory that is the Torah, right? Jesus being the fulfillment of the whole of the the Torah. And today we're going to pick it up in what is the 10th Parsha. Again, Parsha meaning a section or a passage Right, noting that within Judaism, right, the Torah is divided into 54 parshiot, into 54 sections or passages that are read weekly throughout the the Jewish year. And so today, the 10th parsha, parsha Miketz, travels from Genesis 41 and 1 all the way through 44 and 17. Again, we're not going to hit all of that today. But I do want to head to the opening line, Genesis 41 and 1. If you have a pew Bible, page 31, the words will be on this lovely screen behind me. And so I want to spend just a few minutes this morning kind of working our way through, and then I want to invite us just to sit in some time of of stillness and reflection together to kind of consider what we've heard. And so Genesis 41 and 1, note there the opening words. Vayehi Miketz, right? It came to pass at the end, Miketz. And then we read, note, note that it says of two years. Two years here is really a marker of transition, right? It marks that sort of transition between what has been and what will be, noting that what will be is coming next week, Parsha Vayigash. And with that, what has been, and what has been is Parsha Vayeshev. What is that portion that we looked at? It's all all the way back in November now. We paused for Advent. But we looked at Parsha Vaisha back in November. What really begins the whole story of Joseph? It begins the Joseph story, Genesis 37, all the way through to 50. And so it begins the, the story of Joseph. But as I mentioned in November, and I'm sure you all remember, that the very heart and center of the Joseph story, it's all about relationships. The text is all about relationships. In fact, Genesis 37 and 1, we read Vayeshev in Hebrew, which means to remain or to inhabit. Now again, this is a term of of geography. In fact, that next line there, it says, in the land where his father stayed. Right? The land, think geography of Canaan. 
But it's not only, Vayeshev is not only a geographic term, it, is also, it also refers to, to living within a certain set of relationships. We could say living in, in the midst of relationships. It can be translated to dwell or to abide. And we see that in the very next line, reading verse 2. This is the account of Jacob's family line. What again, it's a story of relationships, right? Here, the story of relationships within the family of, of Jacob. And then, in fact, the very next line, we read about the, that family of Jacob, right? It says, Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers. And so this section straight off picks up with this, this idea of relationship. Here we read between Joseph and his brothers, noting there were 12 brothers in all, including, including Joseph. And if you remember from back in November again, that it really begins talking about, the text tells us that, that Joseph came to his father Jacob and he brought a, it said, a bad report. Again, that can be translated evil report. Right? And if you remember, it was Lashon Hara. Right? Lashon Hara. But, but that's just the beginning of the story because it continues on. And today we come to this interesting phrase, right? Parsha Miketz, right? At, at 37 and 1, Vayehi Miketz. It came to pass at the end of two years, which again, is a, it's a reference back to all that has taken place. Beginning, we could say, with, with a bad report, with an evil report, right? But it doesn't stop with Lashon Hara it goes on to kind of get into all the sorts of ways that, that our relationships can go sideways. It gets into all the sorts of ways that, that maybe we can be at odds with others, that we can be at odds with one another. Right, and we can think conflict here and animosity. For Joseph, the bad report, this evil report, was followed by his, his brothers then throwing him into a pit, into a cistern, and then selling him into slavery. And so, and so it's, it's betrayal and it's deception, right? It's, just, it's deceived and abandoned and cheated and lied to. It's, it, it's taken advantage of. And, and at the center of all that conflict and, and, and animosity, right, in, in the midst of the, the at odds with, at odds with the other, is this internal struggle that I think we all face. This internal struggle of, of, of asking the question, how do I respond? What do I say? What do I not say? What do I do? What do I not do? And, and here in Parsha Miketz, Joseph is facing that very reality. Right In the midst of all that has happened to me, everything that's been done to me, right? how do I respond? Noting Joseph has most recently been in an Egyptian prison. And by way of synopsis, just really quickly, the Pharaoh, the Pharaoh of Egypt, has a couple of dreams. Joseph is known as one who can interpret dreams. And so he's released from prison. He goes to interpret the dreams of the Pharaoh which he does, interpreting them to mean that there will be seven years of great abundance and then there will be seven years of famine. This interpretation comes true. There is a famine. Joseph's brothers leave the land of Canaan to come to Egypt because in Egypt there's been lots of food that's been stored up. 
And so the brothers come to Egypt to buy food. And this is where I think it gets interesting. Because remember, for Joseph, his last encounter with his brothers was, was being sold into slavery. Right? And so often when, when there's that sort of conflict, when, there, when there's that kind of animosity, right? when we are at odds with, with another, the reality is, the reality is like Joseph, we, we often are conflicted. Right? It's, it's like if, if I get hurt, right, on one level, I want to get even. Right? On, on one level, it, it's payback and it's revenge and it's, it's retaliation. Right? On, on one level, on one level, I want to lash out. Right? I want to punch back, both literally, probably, and figuratively. And in a sense, that's what's, what's happening here. Right? Here, here are the brothers, less Benjamin. They go to Egypt to get food, and it says, speaking harshly, Joseph accuses them of being spies. And so again, it's here. It's in the midst of relationship, in the midst of conflict and disagreement and, and animosity, right? All, all the sorts of struggles and circumstances maybe that we find ourselves in. And the, and the question before us is, is, how do I respond? Right? It's that internal struggle that we all face. How do I respond? What do I say? What do I not say? What do I do? What do I not do? And what is noteworthy is that tucked away inside the story is a, is a question. It's a question that was actually posed before in the story between Jacob and Laban, which in Jewish scholarship then gives it maybe some extra emphasis. But I think it's the question we all have to wrestle with. Genesis 44 and 3. As morning dawned, the men, meaning Joseph's brothers, were sent on their way with their donkeys. They had not gone far from the city when Joseph said to his steward, go after those men at once, and when you catch up with them, say to them, why have you repaid good with evil? Why have you repaid good with evil? And I think it's the question that we have to face in all of our relationships, not not why, as in why did this happen to me? But again, it's how. how. How do I respond? What do I say, not say? What do I do, not do? It's this sort of dichotomy between, between, between good and evil. It's a dichotomy that travels all the way from Genesis to, to, to Revelation. And it's a question we have to, to sort of deal with ourselves. That kind of internal conflict we all have to face. It was the Russian novelist Alexander Solzhenitsyn. I think he captures this well when he says, the line separating good and evil passes not through states, nor between classes, nor between political parties either, but right through every human heart. Jesus himself spoke of this dichotomy. He says in part, Matthew 5 and 39, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. Keeping in mind here, an evil person is not like the one-off crazy person. Evil person here refers to one who is causing you harm, one maybe who is inflicting some kind of pain on you, be it physical, be it emotional. And Jesus, I think he picks up this story, the backstory here, right? Found in Parsha Miketz, right? He says, in effect, your response, I tell you, do not resist, antiste me, 
in the Greek. It means to fight back against. And he says, do not fight back against. But he goes then on to say, verse 44, but I tell you, love. Right? Love those who are causing you, causing you harm. He says, pray for those who are inflicting pain. Now, as far as I know, none of us have been thrown into a pit. Although, Aretha could tell you quite a story about a dumpster. So maybe, maybe it's not a pit for you. Maybe it's not a, a Midianite caravan. But there's no doubt we have all been wounded in some way. We all have our aches. We all have our hurts. Right? Your family and your relationships are not Joseph's and they're not mine. But we all faced those kinds of difficult relationships, those kinds of challenges. And in effect, the question is, in that situation, in that circumstance, it's not so much why is this happening to me, but, but it's how do I respond? Now we're going to see next week that it's following this sort of dichotomy that's presented in the form of a question between good and evil that everything changes. So we'll, 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 we'll dive on that next week. But it begins right here. The transition happens when, when, I, when, I, when I face my own sort of internal conflict. Right? And how, how do I respond? What do I say? What do I not say? What do I do? What do I, I not do? I think it's why the Apostle Paul, in his letter to those in Rome, he, he writes this. He says, Romans 12 and 17. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Verse 20, on the contrary, if the one against you, again, meaning the one causing you harm, the one inflicting some, some pain, he says, if that one is hungry, feed him, feed her. If thirsty, give that one something to drink. 21, do not be overcome by evil. In, in other words, do not join in that way of responding. Do not turn hurt for hurt, pain for pain, wound for wound, wrong for wrong. Do not over, overcome. Do not repay anyone for evil for evil. On the contrary, if the one against you is hungry, feed that one. If thirsty, give something to drink. Do not be overcome by evil. Do not join in that way, but overcome, he says, evil with good. But not only in Rome, Thessalonica, some 500 miles in a straight flight, Paul writes there, 5 and 15, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive. And the word strive here, dioko, in the, in the Greek, it carries the idea of pursuit, going over, of, of going after. It carries with it an intensity and a purpose. You're striving for, for a goal. You're, 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 you're going after this, this thing with, with intense with intense effort, effort and, and with a definite purpose and, and goal in mind to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Not only Paul, but Peter. Peter 3 and 9, finally he says, finally all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil. Right? Do not, do not he says here, insult Right with insult, but again, wrong for wrong, harm for harm, pain for pain, wound for wound, 
On the contrary, he says, bless. Right? Whatever the, the struggle, whatever the circumstance, whatever the situation, whatever the quarrel, whatever the argument, whatever the disagreement, whatever the conflict, whatever the animosity, the question we face is how do I respond? What do I say? What do I not say? What do I do? What do I, I not do? Now, I, I don't know everything that's going on in your lives, but I'm probably a fair bet, and maybe if not today, probably tomorrow, right? There'll be some tension somewhere in your relationship with others. And the question is, how, how will I respond? Do I go the way of causing harm to the one who is harming me? Do I inflict pain to those who are causing me pain? Is it, is it wrong for wrong, insult for insult? Or the question is, do I go the way of, of doing good to those who are causing me harm, praying for those who are inflicting pain? Right? Do I go the way of striving, right? pursuing with, with intense effort, going after, right? with a definite purpose and, and, and goal, right? to do what is good for each other, to do what is good for the other? We could, we could ask, you know, in, in everything, am I revealing God's love? Am I revealing God's love? Right? How, how do I, how will I respond? It came to pass at the end of two years.